Hey, everybody. Today's episode, number four, is titled, Should Christians Vote? And the answer to that is coming in a few minutes with a good friend of mine named Jason Smith. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. And so he and I had a good dialogue talking about, should Christians vote? What does the Bible say? Let's have a good time. So enjoy the episode. You're listening to the Beyond the Pew with Rev. John podcast. pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the day. We thank you for the opportunity to come together to talk about your word, to talk about what it is that you have for us to do in our lives, Lord, and how we can apply that based on the way that you've blessed us. Lord, I ask that you give us the right words to say today. I ask, Lord, that you give us the right uh, context and help us to help those that are listening, and Lord, to help us to just be on track with what you have us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, today I have a uh, a guy that I have really wanted to have on uh, since the beginning of me thinking about this. A guy that I have talked to, for known for a long time, and then also um, uh, talked to on a regular basis. And it's one of those type of people that you know that your conversations could easily go out as a podcast or as a, you know, because our conversations are normally all over the place. Um, but today I have Jason Smith, uh, and I have him in my favorites on my phone. So he's someone I call pretty regularly. Um, and so we hammer ideas back and forth and, and talk and, um, pray for each other and love on each other. So Jason, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, glad to be here. So I reached out to Jason and I said, what do you want to talk about? Uh, which is kind of something I wind up doing a lot is asking people what they want to talk about uh, because I can't come up with all these ideas. And uh, he, he was saying something and we, we had talked a while back about doing some uh, political ones and, you know, so I'm a little nervous about it. But for me, uh, it's a, my life is obviously with God, family, uh, sports. I love sports. Uh, football, baseball, golf. Watch it all. I don't care. NASCAR, especially. I love it all. Uh, and then politics. I like to watch politics, study stuff. I like to read about it. I like to vote. I like to be aware of what's going on in politics. But today we're going to talk about uh, Christians and politics and whether Christians uh, should be active in politics or whether we should not be because there's different opinions in that stuff. So. That's what we're going to talk about today. So um, I'm going to pull my notes up here. Uh, so anyway, Jason, where where do you live? Tell everybody where you live. Tell everybody your story real quick. So so just a quick rundown of it. Uh, I'm originally from up in northeast Georgia, up in the mountains. I grew up very close to where uh, Jonathan actually comes from. Yep. And about 
three and a half years ago, I moved down to coastal Georgia, just south of Savannah, and took a job with a power company down down here on the coast. Uh, so my my actual job, I'm an energy advisor for the cooperative, and I help people find ways to save uh, save money on their power bills. I'm also an ordained Baptist minister. I pastored Beatty's Creek Baptist Church up in Raven Gap, Georgia, for about I think it was just shy of six years. And uh, that, that's how Jonathan and I actually know one another. And uh, ever since we we met, we kind of uh, kind of hit it off right away. And, and we both uh, both love a lot of really abstract type thoughts and <laughs> ideas. And, and he's not kidding when he says our conversation may start on one topic and end on eight or ten topics away. So and then right back we, to uh, the first were, one, or yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and and it's just it's just fun to be able to bounce stuff off of somebody that's, uh, uh, for lack of a better way to describe, just about as weird as you are. So <laughs> that's that's probably the best way I know to describe it. Yeah, I resemble that insinuation. Yeah, that, that whole thing. <laughs> well, you have uh, four kids. Uh, how long yep. have you and Shelley been married? We have been married uh, coming up on 25 years, so almost a quarter of a century. Our, our oldest child is, um, uh, gosh, how old is he? He's, I guess he's 24. And uh, we have uh, a son and three daughters, a daughter in college, she's 20, and one in high school that's a senior, and she's about to be 18, and one that just started her freshman year high school that's almost she'll be 15 next week which just uh makes me want to cry thinking about the fact that she's about to get her learner's permit and she's my baby <laughs> yeah so that that just uh that kind of blows your mind and it's funny because my youngest one is uh if i remember right uh jonathan's oldest is is about the same age as my youngest so a little bit younger yeah that that uh that really uh, it makes you feel old and realize that, you know, the time is, time is ticking by. Peyton turns 15 in November. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I know what you mean. And so all mine are younger than that. So, uh, so yeah. you and I met because of mutual friends, uh, basically Jeb and Allie justice. Um, yep. they invited, okay. So you took over Betty's Creek Baptist church. Uh, the gentleman who was the pastor before you had resigned, and there was a, a a period there where they didn't have an actual pastor, and because right. Jeb and Allie knew me, uh, I filled in for a couple of weeks. You know, during you know, not as an interim, just I filled in, and then you yeah. came on as an interim, but then wound up taking the position. And it was after you came on, we met at Bible school. Uh, I just yeah. went over to the church and I remember talking to you and, and we will talk more about church stuff later. I remember getting involved in the conversation and I believe we were the last two vehicles pulling out of the parking lot and yeah. just talked and talked and talked. And I knew right away that here's a guy that, uh, we're probably going to spend a lot of time talking to. So, um, yeah. yeah. And so for over the years, uh, like I said, we're going to get into some, uh, religion religion things or some biblical things later uh, but today I wanted to, to to hammer on this one and as yeah. as should Christians vote and should Christians have a be politically minded that's the question and and uh 
And so one of the things that we want to talk about in this is that we want to make clear that we are not um, advocating for a particular party, neither are we advocating for a particular individual running for office. Uh, it would probably be fair to say that if you listen on a regular basis, you will find, you will probably figure out who we are voting for, but I'm not going to stand up and tell you who to vote for. That's, I mean, I might tell you who yeah. is a bad idea to vote for, but I'm not going to tell you right. who to vote for and all that stuff. That's just not the way I do things. And I, and I would say, uh, I would say on that topic, um, the best thing I can tell you, I'm like Jonathan, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I am going to tell you that you need to educate yourself That's right. on individual. Um, don't just take the word of the commentators on, you know, Fox or CNN or MSNBC or, you know, some of the other major networks. New York Times. Uh, don't think they as God. And actually dig into them and research them yourself and find out. Uh, find out who they are because you, you might find that just because someone has a D or an R beside their name, uh, you might find that you agree with a lot more about them regardless of, you know, what letter proceeds or follows their name. So, you know, just, just educate yourself. And, and I would say this, go vote. It's a, uh, it's an opportunity. It's something that we have. Uh, right that we have that a lot of people around the world just simply do not have. And uh, I think we just all too often take it way, way for granted that we, we can go vote. So. Well, let's start with that one then. So um, I wrote on our notes here that Christian all, Christians all over the world and since the beginning of Christianity have not always had the right to vote. Um, there are Christians in countries today that um, that – you know, there's no political uh, scene, basically. It is a monarchy, or in the past we've had uh, our history, we've had monarchies, or and uh, so there was no right to vote. There's Christians in communist countries who aren't allowed to vote, and socialist right. countries and whatnot. Um, and we're blessed because God decided that we could be born in a country that had a system. Uh, and, yeah. and the Constitution was written. Uh, it was written yeah. for this nation, and we have that blessing. If we would have been born in Cuba, uh, in the in the same time frame that we were born, uh, but born in Cuba, then our our rights would have been different. You know, we wouldn't have had that. Uh, but yeah. because we're born where we're born and when we're born, uh, which is a blessing, and I don't think we yeah. should just say, well. Uh, I don't have a say. I don't have a, an opinion, and I don't have that. So, um, the in the idea of should we vote? Well, we're given the authority to vote. Uh, of, at first, it was you had to be white, you had to be twenty one, you had to own land to vote. And then right. they they did away with the land thing. They did away with the um, the idea of having to be white, and then they did away with the male thing. So now everybody. Yeah. Age 18 and up, yeah, because they lowered the age from 21 to 18, uh, which right. I don't know that I was agreed with. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, I get why they did it. If you're willing to serve and willing to die or able to die, you should be able to, for the country, you should be able to vote. I would right. I would almost advocate that we should go back to 21 unless you're in the military. If you're in the military, you get the right to vote. Other than that, you have to wait until 21, which would be handy, but that would sway, that would change everything. If you take away right. people's... 18, 19-year-olds vote, 20-year-olds vote, man, that would 
that it would change the dynamic massively. So, but let's not do that. Let's continue. So, uh, the way yeah. it is, um, we're again we're blessed to be able to yeah. to vote the way we do and to have the dialogue and to be able to uh, going by the the uh, the you know the Bill of Rights and and what we're allowed to do the Constitution it gives us that and voting is a very uh, a very important part of that. Sure. So so when you think about it, I mean the, the nation itself. I mean uh, if you remember. Uh, just a few years ago, there, there was a lot of stink thrown up when um, President Obama made the statement that, you know, the United States is not a Christian nation. Um, while that, that is technically true, there's all manner of creeds and nationalities and religions that, that make up the totality of the United States. You have to, uh, I believe, go back to the founding of the country and, and individuals who founded the country and look at their ideology and look at their thoughts and you have to look at it from the standpoint of um, while we we are not a theocracy in other words it's not a nation that you know that God is the head of it uh, like like Israel originally was um, we are a constitutional republic, but the, the ideas that the founding fathers brought into the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the, uh, all the variety of, of documents that you can find relating to the founding of the nation definitely had a Christian mindset, I guess a, a leaning, if you will. Um, when, when we were talking about this, some of the notes and stuff that I had made on this when we were talking about this particular topic, Christianity and how other nations don't have it. Uh, the, the American political system, uh, the founding fathers referred to it as the great experiment. Uh, no one had ever had a nation or a system of government like ours, not exactly like ours. No. Uh, elements of our government, elements of our constitution are not new. They are things that have uh, existed in the past in, in the Roman uh, world in the Greek world and, and you know and other other nations uh, throughout uh, history or other governments throughout history uh, so, you know you, you can you can look at portions of our system of government you can find you know that that stuff in it um, the, the whole notion right now that you see going on in, in the, the world around us is you know we have to pervert preserve our democracy and you hear all this stuff about Democracy, democracy, yeah. democracy. Well, democracy at its very heart means that majority rules. Yeah. Um, that is, is not what the United States is, and that's why it's the great experiment. You have democratically elected individuals, but you have a constitutional republic, which means that uh, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and it sets the guidelines so that smaller groups of people who would not be the majority are not overwhelmed by the majority. So it, it makes sure that everyone has a voice in the government. This is why we have the Electoral College. That's why you have checks and balances, three, three branches of government uh, within the federal government. So all these things were put together uh, as this great experiment to see, you know, what, what what's going to become of this, and how is it going to uh, how is it going to function? You know, so we're we're about we're coming up on what about 200 and uh, 240 or some odd years since the since the Constitution since the founding of 1791, the yeah. 
1791. So you're, you're coming up on all this time uh, that, you know, things have gone on. You know, it's been up, it's been down, it's been up, it's been down. You know, there's, there's been some growing pains. I mean, you, you have to look at the country and realize, you know, well, you know, we, we got some stuff wrong. Uh, but you also look at it, and you know, we got some stuff right. So you look at all that stuff, and, you know, um, it, it's, I believe, and I have believed this, you know, pretty much my entire life, and, yeah, you know, as an American citizen, it's hard not to be kind of biased toward it, but, you know, I, I have never lived under another form of government, so I don't necessarily know what it feels like to be under another form of government. This, this is all I have ever known, and, you know, people are flocking to come to the United States. Uh, they're, they're flocking to come here for economic opportunities. That, you know, they're coming here for the freedoms that we enjoy. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where you have to look at it. And, you know, I, I wholeheartedly agree and believe it's the greatest nation on the earth. Um, you know, do, do we do things wrong? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're not perfect. We don't, you know, we don't. I don't think we should ever even try to proclaim we're perfect, but no. I believe as far as systems of government goes, um, I, I think we we are the example. Uh, we are the example of what can be uh, when when things are done uh, done correctly. Well, so the idea that we were the first, you know, this is an experiment. There was other, like you said. Um, with Rome, they had a Senate, they had a parliament set up in in, in Greece, and and so, uh, but what they didn't do that we have, which made it so much different, was the constitutional part. So when you say you're a constitutional republic, we are a republic, but we also have a constitution that gives us the rights that we have that other countries don't have. After we did this, after 1791, we started implementing the constitution. Uh, there was other countries that have very similar setups england uh, uh australia has a very similar constitution uh probably the most like ours uh and then canada and there's other countries that have this um and so when you say we're also when you say that we're not a democracy that we are a republic so the, the quick quick ex explanation of what that means is that um we each each area in the united states has a congressional representative in the house of representatives uh each state has two senators um so when you vote for your senators you have everybody in the state gets to vote for these two senators it's not done by region like it is with the uh congressional representatives the congressional representatives are uh are sent up to washington and the idea is that we are so busy and we do not have the time to constantly be focusing on what's going on in the world, nor do we have the knowledge. And sometimes it sends people up there and they are, are smarter than we are, uh, hopefully, <laughs> in some cases. Uh, that, and they go and they're in the middle of it and they say, hey, we need to vote for this. Instead of trying to have a blanket vote throughout the entire nation and get everybody to show up every Saturday, because that's what you would have to do. You have to have everybody yeah. show up every Saturday and vote, which would ruin it. So we send a yeah. representative up there, whether it's in the uh, whether it's uh, in the House of Representatives or whether it's a senator, and they are at the yeah. the Republic, being that they represent us. And so, um, and so on other on the other side of that. 
if you went the other, the only other way it could be is if we all voted for every yeah. bill, for everything, which if, if right. our, if our national uh, political or presidential elections, which realistically is the only thing that everybody in the country votes for at the same time is the president. There's no other seat that the entire nation votes for at once. Um, Cause right. in, here in Louisiana, we have our two senators in Georgia. There's the two senators. And even in Louisiana, we do different because we, our elections are the year before. <laughs> so like our, our, uh, our governor races are on, on in the running right now. We're hearing all the commercials for the governor races Our the sheriff here in Beauregard parish uh, it, the campaign's going on right now. And whereas back home, it don't happen, or I'd say back home, back in Georgia and in most other parts, I guess, they don't have that until next year. So they, you know, lock that in with the presidential ones. I don't know why they do it off. Maybe just because I, 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 have, I need to research that. I'm very curious as to why they're a year ahead. Uh, but the idea is that these are people that go to Congress. These are people that represent us and so we have to send people to washington that represent our values that represent what we stand for that's what the campaign and i'm going to say something and i'm probably going to just blow everybody's mind (laughs) nancy pelosi said something one time and i absolutely agreed with her okay i know that's i know that's hard to say (laughs) but what she said was that we as americans vote in the person that we send up there and they make decisions based off of their convictions, basically. And they don't have to come back to the people every time to ask what they want us to do, you know? Uh, And and so I send, I send our, our Congressman here where I live is Mike Johnson. And we sent, we vote for him and we send him to Washington based off of his campaign and we get a feeling in our heart as to what this guy's about, and we send him up there, and we trust that he's making the decisions based off of what our morals are, or what the Bible says to, for us, or what our personal convictions are, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not. So that yeah. is why, as you said, Jason, it's important for us to be educated and to know what these candidates are actually doing up there. You know, it was it was funny because we I read a thing recently that there was a vote, and it was a bill that was introduced by the Democrat side of the House, and mm-hmm. over half the Democrats didn't even show up to vote. Yeah, and so you're sending somebody to Washington, and they're not showing up to vote for a bill that they think they're passionate about, and right. so and so that's the whole shebang for that. So, but when you get into, and I also want to just take a quick side trail here, but when you're talking about your local politics, when you're talking about your county commissioners, your or here in Louisiana, we don't have counties, we have uh, parishes. So in Louisiana, they have what they call police jurors, <laughs> which is the same thing. When those elections, those are totally different. Those are a, are, it is still a representative, but that is a true democracy. That is, you're voting for the higher, the majority of the uh, wins, it's not electoral college. It's not all that kind of stuff. But right. but it's still a representative. You're sending somebody out there. The vote is a democracy. But once that vote is done and this person's sworn in, then you're back in the republic. And I want people to understand that because uh, and I don't know that it matters, but it's just, I, I think that we hear 
we're land blasted with even Fox News keeps saying it's our democracy. No, we're not in a democracy. Quit saying that word because that word's given people a uh, bitter taste in their mouth when they see what's actually happening, you know. Um, so other question, of course, my phone locked up, so I'm having to pull it back up. Uh, and the, the U.S. Constitution is our foundation for our laws. Uh, everything that is our laws has to be uh, the um, has has to line up with the Constitution, just like. Every decision you right. make as a Christian has to line up with the Word of God. Every law in the United right. States is supposed to, <laughs> and I use, and that my fingers are making the quotation things. They are supposed to line up with the Constitution, even though we know good and well that a bunch of them don't. And we can have a, right. we can spend days arguing about or complaining about the unconstitutional laws that we have in America. Uh, right. That, for example, there's people who aren't allowed to vote. You know, wait. There's no yeah. nothing in the Constitution that says that your ability to vote is is uh, if you're a citizen and you meet the criteria of you're a citizen, then you should be able to vote. They shouldn't be able to take that away from you because they don't like what you did right. one time, and that happens. Right. You know. Yeah, and a lot of, uh, a lot of states. I think uh, Florida, maybe New York, uh, might be some more uh, have. You know, there's been some legislation recently where uh, people that are convicted felons, you know, for for the longest time, almost nationwide, I'm sure it's probably almost nationwide, you know, they, they lose the right to vote um, perpetually. Um, so, you know, they, they have thrown it back in to where, you know, the, these folks can uh, can vote, which, I, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily opposed to that. I, I think um, depending on what particular crime is you, you might be able to make the case that you know this individual has committed such a heinous act that they should never be able to you know enjoy the same constitutional rights as other people again because they you know committed such a heinous act whatever that something is you know and you can get into a real abstract argument on that if you're not careful yeah but, uh, the the problem that some of that has involved is they're extending it to people who are currently incarcerated. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily a good idea because if, you know, you get a candidate that says, hey, if you vote for me, you know, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to suspend your sentence. I'm going to let everybody out of jail. And if there was a sufficient <laughs> population in a prison system, I mean, they might be able to, you know, if it was a local uh, thing, they might be able to do something. I mean, Georgia's got a lot of people in prison, you know, federally, nationally, state to state. I mean, there's a lot of folks in, incarcerated for a variety of reasons. And, um, you know, I, I think maybe once your prison sentence is finished, then, you know, you maybe could petition to have your rights restored. Um, Which is, it, it is I that way after 10 years in Louisiana. After 10 uh, years, you can get your rights back. I, I think, you know, though, while you're while you're in prison, that's not necessarily the case. But I, I think, you know, you you've kind of, you kind of lost your rights at that point in time, and you know, do do your time, and you know, then then have them restored after that. But you know, I, I, again, you know, the notes, and when I was when I was kind of looking through this, uh, <laughs> you, you go back to the to the founders of the republic, and uh, one of the notes I put, you know, the individuals that drafted the constitution are very removed from today's society in terms of their ideas. Um, you know, the, that movie, um, 
um, national treasure. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Cage's character was quoting some of the stuff that was in the declaration and some of the other things. And one of the, one of the, uh, characters comments that people, people don't, don't either think that way anymore or talk that way or anymore or something like that. But, but the, the idea being conveyed was, you know, the people that wrote the constitution that wrote the declaration that wrote the, uh, all these other documents are, they're, they're in a different time and a different world than, than where we are in the here and now. And you see all this, this push by individuals around the country to change a variety of things. And while that's not necessarily a bad thing, I mean, uh, the Constitution has provisions to be amended as times change, which, you know, thank the good Lord that it, that it has been. I mean, there were some oh, things yeah. that needed to be changed. Um, but, you know, there, then there's some things that, that don't necessarily need to be changed. So, you know, I mean, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, things like that. I mean, there's a reason that that's the, you know, uh, that's the first part of the Bill of Rights. I mean, the, the fact that um, you should have have freedom of speech and you should have freedom of religion, you know, to practice your religion and everything. You know, let, let me throw this plug in here. Separation of church and state is not in the Constitution. That was in a separate uh, article that Thomas Jefferson wrote, and, but it has been conveyed to be part of the Constitution. But, you know, the Constitution provides that basically the government is not allowed to prohibit your free exercise of religion uh, so i mean there, there's a lot of things in that you know and, and things get argued one way or the other um the, the winds of change as, as they as they are you know from time to time they sway one way sway another way and you know that's why you have uh, all this stuff on the supreme court you know with a variety of interpretations of uh, well, what the Constitution mean? What's this law mean? I mean, sometimes you you just have to kind of think. Well, you know, that, that kind of seems black and white to me. But you know, sometimes a, a justice will look at it and no, that's more of a gray area. How in the world do you see that as a gray area? But they do. So, I mean, you know, if it, we if if we can look at words in red and have discussions yeah. about what they mean, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And like, wait, yeah. well, that means this. I don't know. That means that. I mean, of course, we're going to have these same debates and discussions about politics. You know, uh, I want to keep going here real quick. Uh, the question, one of the questions on here, I'm not trying to uh, blow through this, but I also don't want to take too long because I know people are listening. Uh, is it? OK, so as as I des- described a few minutes ago, we have to pay attention. We have to be focused on what these people are doing. We also have, or what their hearts are, we have to listen to debates or or read their bios and understanding that politicians will pander for your vote. Please understand that. And just because, I'll give you an example, and I probably shouldn't, but I will anyway. Uh, recently, our Democratic governor in the state of Louisiana voted for a, or not voted, he, he signed into law the heartbeat law. Right. So if there is a heartbeat, then abortions are not allowed, which is fantastic. It is awesome. I would rather there not be any abortions. But can we can we celebrate the win that we got there? Now, that does not mean that this is the guy that I want to vote for for press or for the governor. 
And so, and people will pander for votes. They will do all kinds of things and they will fight and they will say. So, and in understanding that, then our vote can affect the laws and it can affect, affect the government. So should should we vote in knowing that is, or the question is, is it our job to affect the laws and government as a Christian? Yeah, so so in, in thinking about that, I mean, if you remember in, in this most recent presidential election, I mean, a lot of the discussion went around among Christians, evangelicals, whatever, you know, is um, I'm voting for the lesser of two evils. The lesser of two evils, yeah. So, well, that's the system we have, unfortunately. Yeah, but you know, there, there is so much wrong in that statement that it's just not even—it's not even funny. So, you know, what what you're left with a lot of times, exactly like you said, you know, I mean, um, you can't can't look at it from the standpoint of you're not voting for a pastor in chief you're voting for a president who's going to be the commander in chief who you know regardless of the individual is going to end up being so the thing that you have to look at i mean i think you have to weigh a little bit of everything in that and you have to do it almost with an understanding that this individual is not perfect they they are fallible uh they are subject to mistakes uh, they're subject to the, the same effect that every person on the planet has. They're a sinner in need of a Savior. Uh, they they may say one thing and do another. They may do exactly what they say. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those things where the only perfect government that is ever going to exist is the one that Christ himself will set up and rule over. Yes. It will be perfect, it will be just, and it will last forever. Until such a time, we're, we're left with, you know, fallible individuals who are going to be in charge of us. Now, one thing that, that the Word of God says is that we, we are to be subject to governing authorities. Romans chapter 13 says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. And the authorities that exist have been established by God. So, and you can read the rest of that yourself, but the, the idea conveyed in that is that God has set up this, this notion of a system of government, and it goes all the way back to uh, the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, when Moses has, has brought the children of Israel out of, uh, out of Egypt, and, you know, and he, he's gone into the, to, um, you know, the desert area there in Sinai, and you know, he, he's trying to govern over all these people, and, you know, you're, you're talking like a million people or more, and, you know, all their animals and all these this variety of, of people, and Moses, it was driving him crazy, and his father-in-law uh, comes to him and says, you know, this, this is not a good thing that you're doing, you know, you need to set, uh, you know, set individuals to help you, in other words, you know, people over over hundreds of thousands of people's over tens of thousands of people over thousands of people over you know hundreds of tens and so on yeah. down the line but basically establish a system or chain of command if you will uh so that you know there there are uh checks and balances in place there's a system of government so that you have you know a, a way to petition a way to deal with these things so that you know the king doesn't need to hear every complaint if you will 
someone further down the line a lot of times can handle the complaint. So, you know, uh, that, that's why, you know, there, there's a system of appeals to get to the Supreme Court. You know, you can, um, you can, you know, be charged with something at a local level and you can appeal it to the, you know, to the state. The state uh, court can rule on it and then from that point you can appeal it to a federal court and from that point you can appeal it to the Supreme Court and on and on and on. So the, the system of checks and balances is, is a notion that is put in man's heart by God uh, with the understanding that God has established this so that, you know, you, you don't have chaos, you don't have anarchy, you don't have, you know, just, just all this stuff, you know, people going to and fro and all these things. You have someone that is in charge. And people have, you know, a sense of responsibility to that individual and to that that system of government. With, you know, again, with the understanding that, um, well, let's just go back to what the word says. You know, that that uh, whoever rebels against the authorities is rebelling against what God has instituted. Yeah. And those who do so bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. So, in, in a perfect system. Uh, and again, in a perfect system, then you know. I mean, if you don't do nothing, there ain't nothing to worry about. But if you do something, then don't be surprised, you know, if punishment comes or you know if everything falls down upon you. You know, again, we don't live in a perfect society, and you know, sometimes the law does get it wrong. Sometimes, you know, you you do have corrupt individuals who get into positions of power who abuse that power, and then you know, people. Uh, end up suffering for it. And, you know, we, we have this promise from God that, you know, someone who may get away with something here on the earth, they won't get away with it in heaven. No. Uh, because at some point in time, you know, all the Bible tells us that uh, everything that is done in darkness will be brought into the light and the evil deeds will be exposed. And, you know, and God will take care of it. God will make things right. So, you know, we, we, we have eternity to look forward to for those things. And, you know, and, and God takes care of it. But as far as our side of things, you know, what does that mean to the Christian? What does that mean to the individual? Well, if you don't get involved in, you know, going out to vote, to, to get out and to try to uh, persuade, you know, godly individuals to step into the political arena and encourage them or to actively pray for the leaders, you know, even if it's someone that you didn't vote for, you need to actively be praying for that individual because there is not a single person on this planet that God cannot influence. So, you know, God is still God, regardless of, you know, if there's a Democrat in the White House or a Republican in the White House, God is still God. Yes. It doesn't matter who, who ends up in the White House. It does not unseat God. So he still has the final say on things, and he can move people's hearts. So, I mean, oh, prayer absolutely. is the greatest we have. Uh, I, I would I would even dare say that prayer is the greatest weapon we have, followed by our vote. You know, so and that that pertains to us as American citizens. Again, other other nations have their own uh, political processes, but you know, I, I think it's it is uh, it is a sacred duty, if you will, that we go and vote um, because you know it gives us a say. It gives us the ability to say, you know, yeah, I I I I've used my ability to vote to make a change you know so if you don't vote then you know what what means do you have to say anything about the person that's in there if you didn't even get out and go vote yeah you know and 
the notion that we deal with in, in the recent governor election here in Georgia, there was a lot of um, back and forth over, you know, voter suppression. And, you know, the next governor's election that we will have is, is three years from now. Um, Georgia will give you, give you a, um, an ID that you can use to go vote. If in three years' time you cannot make it to, you know, a DMV or some government agency that will give you that card, I, I just don't think you're really interested in trying to go get it. Yeah, exactly. You don't so, care to vote. Yeah. Um, there, there's all these things. I mean, you got you got public transportation. You know, free public transportation. You got all this means to to go out and to early get vote. These things. You know, if your state requires a voter ID, go get one. Because it's protect. You know, at, at the end of it, I mean, make whatever argument you want to about voter suppression, whatever. At the end of the day, you are protecting your vote. Because I have my voter ID, I have proven who I am, I have voted, and I have kept someone else from stealing my vote. So, you know, to me, that is, that is terribly important. Uh, the, the election here a while back, my dad actually went to vote, and when he got there, something had happened, and somehow someone had voted in his place. And we still haven't exactly figured out exactly what happened with it, but, oh, boy, he was... He was hot. So, <laughs> I'd come unglued for the. Oh man. Well, he, he really did. I mean, it wasn't the you know the person at the polling place's fault, but somehow or another, you know, when Dad went to register, he popped up. He'd already voted. Oh um, man. But you know, he hadn't. But you know, something something happened there. So yeah. You know, it's, it's not a perfect system, but you no. know, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, you know redundancy in the in the system. So you know, I, I just I don't. I don't buy the buy the idea that anyone is keeping you from voting in this day and time. You know, we're we're in a very modern society with a whole lot of wonderful technology, and sometimes it's not so wonderful, but a lot of times <laughs> it is. And you know, if, if you don't have the required means to prove who you are, it, it's available to you, and generally available to you at, at, at no cost whatsoever. You know, so so get it. Protect your right to vote. Protect your uh, your ability to vote. You know, and and when the time comes, go vote. So with the Old Testament, as we read through, uh, from Saul, David, and Solomon, and then on the list of kings uh, that they had, we we study about how a lot of those kings. Um, the majority of those kings turned their hearts away from God. And yeah. then there was Josiah, who was the uh, the youngest king, who who did the most that he could. Uh, he did yeah. the best. He was the best king of that, you know, post-David era. And, that era. And uh, so, which is hundreds of years, you know, it's a long time. And But these kings would come in, and they were they would say— things and then you know not that they were running or anything but they would they would tear down things and tear down the bell stuff but then there was a lot of stuff they just they left that alone you know they they left that high place alone they just let them have their way again you're talking old testament israel that is a theocracy that is not a uh uh, you know what we have today that is a strictly god-centered government um, and they were told to do things, and they weren't doing it. Now, again, we're not in that today, 
But what what happens is a lot of times is that we have people who are qualified to run for a school board, qualified to, yeah. you know, be the mayor, you know, that that are God-centered, God-Christian people who will make a decision of a town that, you know, has nothing to do with the Bible. And it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, a massive political system. But it has to be done. And then, then a lot of things can happen. Now let's take let's take Clayton, Georgia, for example. Uh, it's where I grew up. Uh, it, it's a town that brings in a lot of. Uh, Hiawassee is the same. It is a y'all got that giant lake. We have a lot of lakes over where we are. So people from all over the South, uh, South anywhere from Atlanta, farther, I mean all of Florida, we have people who come up there. And they and they love it. It's beautiful, especially in the fall. They come up there and they enjoy it. They love it. And then what happens is they say, you know what? We love it so much. Let's move here. And so they wind up moving there. And then they bring a different set. Not all of them. Not all. I'm not going to say that they all bring a different set of morals. But there are a few that bring a different set of morals. And because there's not, it's not like everybody in Raven and Towns County is perfect. You know, let's not go there. But, um, but what they do is they can bring a different set of morals. And I remember when I was a kid, especially up in Franklin, North Carolina, Franklin was a dry, uh, Macon County was dry. You know, there was no alcohol at all. And it was people who moved in from out of town who pitched a fit and got it going and all of a sudden, now they're selling alcohol in the city limits of Franklin, and then, yeah. oh, but it had to be in the city limits. And then over time, it became that they were selling it all over the county. I believe it's all over the county. You can buy alcohol in Macon County, North Carolina. And the thing is, is that a lot of Christians were absolutely upset about that. They did not want that to, to be the case. But when the rubber met the road, you would say you could ask them. Probably, you know, I know one in particular. Why didn't you run for office? Oh, well, that's right. not my responsibility. But I think that Christians need to be, you know, if we we need to have an impact in our local government. We need to be. I know you you were uh, contemplating running for uh, county commissioner. Is that right? Yeah. And right. so, and the idea uh, of that is that we need people making decisions for our counties and for our parishes yeah. who. Even though it may just be, hey, should we pave this road? Should we not pave this road? <laughs> you know, but we need people who are cross-centered so that they pray about decisions and they'll say, hey, listen, this road needs to be paved, and I'm going to do it because that's what needs to happen, and I'm not going to scratch my buddy's back and pave a road that was paved last year and let these people suffer. You know, exactly. and so you got these little windy, and, and Louisiana is horrible, man. We have potholes bigger than the ocean, you know, <laughs> like you, you know, there's the joke in Louisiana that you, you get a ticket for the cops know you're have a, that you're drunk when you drive straight. Yeah. Because <laughs> sober people are avoiding potholes, you know, and so <laughs> I know it's stupid, ain't it? But that's how bad the roads are. But you drive down certain communities <laughs> And there's certain roads that are immaculate, and that's because there's back scratching going on, and people are getting their right. roads paved because, you know. And and I'm not I'm not trying to say that we uh, buck the system and 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 yeah. go into a revolution over it, but 
I think right. that Christians need to be more active in our in our political system, especially on the local yeah. levels. Now, what happens in Washington is in and what happens in Atlanta, what happens in Baton Rouge, there's a lot of like debates and all that kind of stuff what happens. But if yeah. you take for example, take you know, I'll I'll use Baton Rouge since we're here in Lu- uh, where I'm in Louisiana. Um in Baton Rouge a a person who is voted in as a state representative or a state senator who is God focused and God centered may be the difference between the heartbeat law and not having the heartbeat law. And right. and, and 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 that that's why it's important for us as believers in the and believers in Christ to look at the politics, look at the polls. And obviously, should Christians vote, we're all saying yes. We're both saying yes. You should. You should vote. Um, But that's why it's important for us to be educated and look and say, yes, not only should you vote, but if you have the means and God's behind it, run. Be a politician. And you you can make an impact. There's a guy who runs a hardware store here in town. And when, every time you go in there, the man is amazing. He's articulate. He he's thought pro, he's thoughtful in what he says. And and one day I was just standing there listening to him, and I said, "So when are you going to run for an office?" Oh, I don't want to do. You know, I don't want to do. That. No, man, that's the type of people we need. Even though I may yeah. disagree with your doctrine, you love God so much. You love this country so much. You love this state, this parish. You love this town. And you love God, and you need to be involved, you know, more so than just making a, a soapbox stand of what your politics views, you know. And right. Right. and but and, and that that's why we have um, the corruption that we have. That's why we have the quid pro quo and and the lobbyists that we have. Yeah. If you had somebody that was standing solid on their morals, and they stood firm on what the Word of God said. And when a lobbyist comes up and says, hey, I need you to vote this, and you can look at him and say, that is not what the Bible says. I'm not doing that. I don't care how much money you throw at me. I don't care where you take me to. I don't care who you introduce me to. The Word of God has to be the, the, the true foundation for who we are. And that's the type of people we need in office that are either, whether that's in um, in the county commissioners, whether that's in the state representatives, whether that's in Congress or whether that's in the White House. And I don't know that we've ever had a president that has had the audacity to say that the word of God is their foundation and actually, actually kind of believe it and, and us believe that they really did. But yeah. again, that gets in. There's uh, and there's also this, and uh, I don't want to take too much time. There's also this: we, as r- the average Joe citizens, are only given a very small amount of information. And so, when we look at a situation that a president, whether it's especially with foreign policy, we don't know all the information. So, a law is made, a decision is made. And we can question that all day long, but when the rubber meets the road, we'll, well, you can understand, you can believe this, that you don't know everything that, was, that went in behind that decision. We don't know. So we have, to put, we have to put those people in that office praying that they are going to God first before they make decisions. 
And yeah. um, again, at, at the top of our notes, there are no perfect systems. There are no perfect politicians. And like you said, and I love it, I even wrote it down, we did not elect a pastor-in-chief. We elected a commander-in-chief. And, yeah. oh, that's, that's a great quote. I like that. I'm going to have to remember that. And uh, so it's, it's important for us to to not only vote, but it's also it's super important for us uh, if you have the means and the education and the drive to run for an office, even if it's school board, we sure. need people. We need people affecting the the school systems that have yeah. a cross centered focus. Absolutely. Right. So, so let me uh, let me throw in my experience. I mean, yeah, I I was looking at running for uh, for county commissioner in Towns County. Towns County is one of the I think only there's only a couple of counties left in the state of Georgia that have a sole commissioner. Most of the rest have gone to a uh, board of commissioners, but Towns County still has a sole commissioner. So and one person I, I, makes decisions for the yeah, entire county. Yeah, they're okay. they're the the county administrator. They they you know they they are the county government sole form of government. So when when I when I was looking at running, uh, my dad actually came to me and and told me he said i will give you a thousand dollars cash not to run <laughs> and it, it wasn't it wasn't a you know that my dad didn't feel like i could do the job or didn't have faith in or anything like that his his worry was to uh to keep me from the heartache that comes a lot of times with the mudsling that goes on in politics Oh, yeah. uh, his, his concern was that, you know, if you throw your name into the ring, especially, especially small town politics, man, it gets vicious at times. I mean, you know, folks start digging up dirt. They start, you know, well, you know, you kicked the dog when you were 10 years old, you know, or some, whatever the nonsense was, you know, you, you did all these things. And they start dragging all this stuff out. You know, every time, you know, in the political realm, I mean, you see all these um, there was a thing on the on the news. It was yesterday. This this guy that was at a ball game this last week that you know he's holding holding up a sign that said you know I'll paraphrase it. I need beer money. Send yeah. you know send donations. I was going to talk about that, but you got me beat me to it. The guy, up, the guy ended up raising like a million dollars. I think it's a little over a million dollars. Yeah. And the uh, the the beer Bud Light ended up you know uh, Bush beer Bush beer. And so this reporter does this story on him and then, you know, digs up this stuff from this kid. Was, was, this guy was like 16 years old, some tweets or, you know, Instagram, whatever the something was, um, whatever, whatever these youngins do these days. Um, it was like some offensive, you know, statement or something he made. It, it was, you know, some inappropriate comments, which the guy immediately stepped out and said, yes, I did this, took ownership of it, and said, man, I can't believe, you know, I thought that way when I was 16. That ain't the person I am now. I'm very, very sorry for those offensive things that I said, you know, and whatever. Still donated the money. And, you know, and then uh, the, the beer company turns around and they're like, you know, no, we're, you know, we sever ties with him and, well, I saw on the on the thing today, you know, the the newspaper tries to defend its actions with this guy uh, having, you know, having done this, and they ended up uh, they fired the reporter today. 
Yeah, because the reporter had stuff in his past that he had done. What was funny about that is that the guy that uh, he his his tweets that were so bad, you know, when he was sixteen, were quotes, not even his thing. It was quotes from a comedian on Comedy Central, which one of the advertisers for that comedian's show on Comedy Central was Bush Light. Or, or Anheuser Bush, yeah. so they, it's so tied up and twisted. I mean, we can get into cancel culture, and we can. This, this is why we need godly yeah. people, you know, in office. Yeah. So, so I think the the fear that a lot of folks have uh, that discourages them from from getting into politics is is you know the mudsling, the uh, the backbiting, the dirty dealing, and things like that. And I've even heard some people, I, I talked to my local rep uh, not too long ago, uh, a gentleman's name's Rick Allen, and he, he's just just a phenomenally nice guy. Um, comes down to, to Glenville, where, where we live, uh, on a regular basis. He's very approachable, very, very nice guy, you know, a Christian man. And, you know, I, I talked to him a little bit about, you know, how, how dirty uh, politics is. And, you know, there, there's a lot of folks that get into it, and I think they they feel dirty themselves because sometimes, you know, you have to compromise a little bit. You, know, you have to give a little, take a little. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's almost like you're having to make a deal with the devil on some things. And, you know, that, that unfortunately is politics. So, so anyway, I, I think that, that people just – you know, they see all that wheeling and dealing that has to go on in politics, and they look at it like, you know, I, I just I can't do that. I can't do that and remain an ethical person or a moral person. And you know, I just feel like I'd betray God by doing this or doing that. And, and you know, again, you know, we're not a theocracy. We're not, you know, whatever. And I'm not encouraging people to, you know, abandon their morals or anything like that. But you know, politics is politics, and you have to. Uh, have to get in there, but if you don't get, you know, people into um, into it that are godly people that will, you know, make the majority really good godly decisions, then, you know, pretty much everything that goes in there, I mean, you got these terribly unethical people that get into Congress, that get into, um, you know, get into all these places, and then they do all this stuff, you know, and it's like, hey, the rules don't apply to me, I do whatever I want to, Yeah, and it just it becomes a, a really really big issue over time um, by people not doing that. So it it's just man, it's just um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure how to how to get people engaged and uh, involved in it. And people are afraid to, like you said, they don't. And there's a lot of people who, um, and I'm trying to open up a whole other topic here, but there's a lot of people who believe that our votes are predetermined and there's somebody up at the top above the president making our decisions as a nation. And so the idea that we get to vote, the idea that we, our vote even matters. And, and, right. you know, especially if you live in a state that's, you know, that's traditionally one color and you have a different opinion. Uh, like yeah. if you're a Christian, a, a Christian living in Southern Illinois, almost probably is not even inclined to vote. What's the point? You know, because, Chicago is going to totally do again. I'm assuming that Christians vote Republican. Uh, yeah. There's a lot actually that don't, but 
if, if you're a Republican and you're in Southern Illinois, there's there's the thing. And Chicago's basically their population is so much more dense and so many more people that they're basically deciding what the electoral college for Illinois is. And then you have the opposite of that where you have uh, some Democratic people in Oklahoma who are pretty much, you know, they're not their vote when it comes to the president, you know, gets kind of negated. So, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have the, the, the voice and the say. Um, now, as a veteran myself, I want to say something that a lot of people probably don't agree with, but I think that it is our right to vote, and I think we should vote. I don't think that we should ever try to belittle somebody as to say that people died so you could vote. You need to vote. Um, I think that people died for the freedom of us having the freedom to vote. Uh, I don't yeah. want to say that that the people who served are being dishonored or the people who died for our freedoms are being dishonored because people don't vote. I don't agree with that at all. Uh, and I know some people who, who disagree with me in that. Uh, but it, it, I know people personally who think that everybody should vote because people died for the freedoms. Um, but I don't think that's the case. You know, I don't think because, again, at the end of the day, if if we would have been born in in another country, because God said instead of being born in Georgia, I want you guys to be born in Georgia. You know, the country Georgia. They don't have the U.S. Constitution. They don't have the Bill of Rights. They don't have the Electoral College. They do not have the setup that we do. But the Christians there are still bound in the same Word of God that we are. And I think that that's one of the things that I always try to emphasize when talking to people about politics and when talking to people about constitution and uh, eventually I'm um, you know we've talked about starting another podcast that's more of a uh, you know a, th- a theology and politics based and you and I've talked about that and after our conversation today I think that's something we probably should fire off but um, there are people that you know don't honor the word of God and we know that we know they don't do that there's people who don't believe in it at all so their political view is going to be different. And as the world is becoming less and less Christ-focused, you know, and the population of the United States is less and less Christ-focused, that makes it way more important for those of us who are Christ-focused to make an impact in our political system. And, And I think that's why we should educate ourselves don't just vote straight tickets because that's what you want to do, but really mm-hmm. pray about it. Ask God for guidance in your decisions, especially in some areas where all, what if all three candidates in your town are Republican? What are you going to do if all three, right. you know, so you have to be aware of their, you know, be willing to uh, years ago. Okay. So in Raven County, we had a sheriff, Don Page, was sheriff for like 25, 26 years, 28, whatever. It was, a, I'm trying to do the four-year math. <laughs> it was a long time he was the sheriff. And when mm-hmm. when he decided he wasn't going to run again, I made the comment that after having a sheriff for that long, that the next person who comes in will probably do one term and that's it because people are having to deal with the change and they're not going to like what he does because it's going to be different than what was there. Um, but right. what, what I remember I was in, uh, going into the hardware store and a man walked up to me and asked me, uh, for his vote. 
And uh, and I was like, I was thinking, well, I live in North Carolina, so I can't vote for you. But I, I didn't tell him that. And I said, well, what's your opinion on abortion? And he looked at me like, what is he said, what does that have to do with being the sheriff? I said, because that tells me what your where your heart is. He goes, oh, I don't like it. I'm like, oh, I'm not voting for you. <laughs> I didn't say it. But I could tell he was pandering for my vote. Don't pander for my vote. Be con- have he convictions. Didn't. <laughs> he, he didn't probably, win. He didn't win. Have an opinion about it. he just you know whatever. So. Yeah, it's like the whole Hillary Clinton comment of she keeps barbecue sauce or a hot sauce in her purse just for pandering of the vote. Man, don't do that. Just be yourself, and and let's do that. You know, let's not let's not get caught up in the in the trying yeah. to pander for votes. But man, we're almost at an hour. I don't want to take too much longer. I had one more question I want to ask. Um, sure. Uh, Luke nineteen thirteen says, "Occupy till I come." We hear this all the time. I think that yeah. um, for for me, I, I get that saying that we don't know when the time is. We the Bible says very clearly that we don't know the day or the hour of, of His right. return. Uh, it could be right. tomorrow. It could be before we finish recording this. It could be a thousand years from now. We don't know the answer to that. So, right. occupy till I come means that we have to maintain our Focus and continue to vote, continue to occupy the United States. So that's how I see it. Is that how you see or you got anything to add on yeah. that? We, we, we know that um, we don't know the day, the time, the hour, anything like that. The Lord's coming back. Uh, we're, we're to redeem the time because the days are evil. It was something that I had noted um, thinking about that. Um, you know, we... The Bible tells us, commands us actually to not grow weary in doing good. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's so hard, uh, honestly, in this day and time. And me personally, it's something I personally struggle with. It, it you, you get kind of just disgusted with people sometimes. You get disgusted with situations. And, you know, it seems like um, the old saying, I'm sure you've probably heard it too, that no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. Um, I, man, I I cannot tell you the number of times I've fallen into that. I mean, you try to help somebody, and then it ends up biting me in the tail. And, you know, and it's just time after time after time. It just comes back to bite you. And I, I got to say, honestly, I, I do grow weary in doing good. Uh, I, I get really frustrated with that and get really aggravated with that. And, you know, I find myself throwing my hands in the air and going, Lord, you know, wh- what's the deal? You know, why is it like this? Well, I mean, it, com- it comes down to the fact that the Bible tells us we war not flesh and blood, the powers and principalities of the air, spiritual wickedness in high places. So, you know, you have to look at everything with a measure of grace. He says, occupy till I come. He did that with the understanding, you know, Jesus said, you know, in this life you'll have trouble. Uh, he said, you know, you're, you're going to have issues. And he, there in Matthew 24, when he gave this, this breakdown of things that would happen in the last days, and then, you know, the revelation to, to the Apostle John, the revelation to Paul, and all these things, um, we know that there's going to be some tumultuous, terrible, horrible times that will come in our lifetime. You know, we don't know when the Christ when Christ is coming back. We feel like he's coming back really soon, but the first century church felt like he was coming back yeah. really soon, too. Yeah. So we, we realistically don't know. I mean, there's signs, there's things that we were given uh, that we feel like are, you know, certainly, you know, prophecies that have been fulfilled, things are coming to pass, things that are 
uh, certainly put in place that are showing us, you know, sooner than later uh, Christ will be returning. But it, it doesn't matter if it's today, if it's tomorrow, if it's a thousand years from now. You know, he, he told us to occupy until I come, to remain doing what you know to be right until such a time yep. as either you draw your last breath or he says, come up hither. Yeah. And if that's in time, you know, well, then, you know, we're good. You know, it's taken care of. But in the meantime, um, you know, I think we, we need to be engaged in the world around us. We don't need to, you know, um, go sit in a, in a corner somewhere singing Kumbaya or whatever the something is, and, um, you know, just disengaging from the world. We, we need to be actively engaged in the world because prayer still changes things. God's still in control. Jesus is still Lord. You know, he's still saving people. So, you know, th these things still remain to be true. I mean, uh, you know, God's word remains regardless. So, you know, the, the idea that somehow or another, you know, we're already defeated and we might as well give up because the devil's having his way, that's utter nonsense. It's utter nonsense. Uh, I believe you said to me one time, and, and I have held this to be true, and it's one of my favorite statements, if the worst thing that the devil can do is kill you, then you win anyway. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that, the, the just, line is the worst thing the devil could ever do to me is kill me and send me to heaven. That's how I would. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, my, I mean, that's the only know, quote I've ever had that's worth anything. That's worth anything. Oh, that's probably not true. Uh, but at any rate, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you go, you know, I, I cannot say it enough. Go vote. Go yeah. vote. Go vote. Go vote. Go vote. Because it is so vitally important that Christian people go vote. You cannot sit on your hands and just let the devil have his way. You cannot sit on your hands and just let the world, you know, the proverbial go to hell in a handbasket. You just cannot do that. You've got to stand up. You've got to be counted. You've got to vote. If you don't like the candidate, demand a better candidate. Yeah. You know, and that, that's the, the reality. I mean, stop. Or be the better candidate. Them. You know, you get involved in the early process of it. And get somebody on the ballot who is a good candidate. I, and that's where we keep failing and falling behind is we're not pushing for a good qualified candidate. We're just settling for whoever decides to run. You know, and so, you know, it's one of those, man, you, you got to get involved. You've got to, got to, got to, got to get involved. And that's also on the local, to me, this is as important on the local level as it is anything is if if you have if let's say that a person decides man or woman they decide to run for the school board and you know their heart is in the right spot and you know that they you know that they have great ideas and, they, and that they have a good spirit about them and they can do a great job and God's called them in it get on board with them jump in there in the campaign and and put out signs and 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 wear yep. buttons and and pass out stuff and there's a proven there's a, a proven deal with campaigning that a lot of times people may not know who you are but if they see your name enough when they get into the polling booth they'll click on your name because they've seen your name so you want to make sure that that the names that they see and the names that are that they remember are god-centered names and do your part. Yeah. If you don't want to run, then that's fine. I'm okay with you not being a politician. I'm okay with that. But be active in other ways. Be active in the campaigning. And by all means, do this with the love of God. Don't get into the smearing garbage. But 
you know, that on, especially on the local level. Like you said, they will find everything you've ever done, and they will come after you. But you know what? That's okay because you can, yeah. that gives you an opportunity to give a testimony to say, I am not that person anymore. I am a new creature. God has changed me. He's corrected me. He's made me a better person. I'm not who I once was. The old man is dead. And it can give you an opportunity. You might not win, and that's okay because, again, we go back to God's appointed those who are in that position. So, but why not yeah. give the effort? Why not? Uh, it wound up instead of being about whether we should vote, it should be, hey, run, you know. So, but we can get into that as as maybe we get the the Theo political podcast off the ground. Um, but Jason, sure. man, I really appreciate you uh, to coming on here, and and we kind of threw this together in like three days, so that's not too bad, huh? Not too bad, and, and I, I want to state for the record that Jonathan was worried that we wouldn't be able to come up with enough stuff for 25 minutes, and here we are having to shut it down over an hour. <laughs> and, uh, and I also have to state for the record that that this is a very typical conversation for Jonathan and I. This is, yeah, you know, we we may have had notes this time around, but this is pretty much what we talk about. <laughs> yeah, and I mean we we've stayed on one topic for way longer than normal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but. We tend to dance around a little bit. Well, man, uh, Jason, thank you very much for being a part. Thank you for uh, agreeing to, and thank you for thinking about it, praying about it, and putting some very valid points together. I think that I hope I hope that people who have continued to listen through the end will um, maybe be a little more empowered to vote. And uh, and I know that for most of you guys, that's a ways off. But here in Louisiana, that's a few weeks. You know, we have votes, so uh, yeah. And, you know, of course, then you may listen to this in three years from now, and it's being, you know, 2019 for us in September. Uh, so uh, it, it may be a while before you vote or, or before you listen to this. But the, the what we're saying is still true, and what we're saying, no matter when it is, would still, you know, apply. So, uh, again, Jason, thank you. If you don't mind, can you pray us out of here? Absolutely, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. So, hey, God, thank you so much for uh, – this time we can spend together this this uh, just wonderful discussion uh, i pray for anybody and everybody that that listens to this podcast god that you would just uh, god that you just bless them uh, that you would just uh, put in their heart just the desire to to be engaged and be involved in the world around them uh, god that they might be able to share and show the love of christ to those uh, who may be less fortunate uh, god we, we live in a wonderful society a wonderful world uh, even though it is affected by sin uh, Lord, is still the uh, the world that you've created for us, and uh, and you're still God, no matter what. Uh, so we just ask God that you would just give us opportunity to uh, so make some good changes in this world, to be able to influence people in a positive way, to be able to uh, to do unto others as we we would have them do unto us. Lord, we might be able to show them your love and show them your kindness, your grace, your mercy, uh, or just to show them you, so that they might come to know you as we do. Father, we're thankful for everything you do. Thankful for uh, Jonathan, Christina, and all their kids. Uh, Lord, that you brought them into my life and the time we can spend together and look forward to spending uh, a lot of time with them, Lord, not only now but in eternity, Father. Lord, it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jason. Yes, sir. Hey, and I appreciate everybody listening, and just remember, Jesus and I love you. Thank you, Lord.